0: I was running on the trails, you know, I always run with many friends, and I tell people, you know, what I do, and and everybody just like, you are a renaissance woman, I can't believe you're a real estate (laughs) broker, you write poetry, you rap, like I started rapping during the pandemic.
1: okay, (laughs) you... Yes! (laughs) So, you rap, okay, we're gonna... I'm going to ask you about that a little bit, too, the rapping, because I think I'd read something about that for you, and you have over 15,000 downloads, I believe, on one of your songs.
0: Yes, yes.
1: This is Your Purposeful Life, and I'm your host, Adrian Starks. I'm a speaker, podcaster, narrator, writer, and entrepreneur. On this podcast, we're taking a different approach to the understanding of purpose because it's not a one size fits all. There will be a variety of guests expressing their purpose through the human mess we call the human journey. These conversations will guide you to a better awareness and understanding of your unique purpose in the daily life of mistakes, changes and challenges and how to put that purpose into action, bringing you more experiences of success, fulfillment and achievement on your terms. Let's go on this journey of purpose together. Welcome back, everyone, to Your Purposeful Life, and I'm your host, Adrian Starks, and it is here where we are changing the conversation around purpose, and we want to help you shape your purpose your way. Today, I would like to welcome our special guest on, Carmen Meeksha, to the podcast and community. Carmen, how are you doing today, my friend?
0: Oh, I am doing fantastic, Adrian, and I am so excited, grateful, and honored to be on your show.
1: Well, well, thank you so much, and it is an honor to have you on our show today, too, and because we're going to be learning some things, and that topic today is going to be reinventing ourselves. This is so needed in a time now where everything seems to be very uncertain, especially with our personal lives, our careers, everything surrounding us. So you're going to talk about that a little bit. And you're also going to talk about how that propels us into our own greatness in our personal and business lives. And I'm excited to go over that with you and to learn more about who you are as a person and to show the world why you are indeed called the Renaissance woman. And (laughs) (laughs) before we get into all that, I want to make sure that our audience today knows where to go to find this podcast. So we're going to get some of this out of the way. Go ahead and download this podcast onto any podcast platform of your choice by going to our website your life, Yeah, I said your purposeful.life and it's there. We can listen to all the episodes, download them onto your platforms of choice. And also you can join our community to be updated on things that are coming up, special guests, also takeaways from the podcast interviews and new things that are shaping around the Purposeful Life community. Be sure to also go to our YouTube page and hit that subscription bell with a purpose, like you mean it, because we'll be having weekly episodes coming out. Now that we are done with that, we're going to get back to our special guest of the hour today, Carmen Miksha. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Carmen and explain who she is. Carmen Miksha is a creative nonfiction writer and poet who has earned both her BA and MA degrees in English from Sacramento State University. She's also the broker and CEO of her own company, Dynamic Real Estate. Miksha has published memoirs, created nonfiction. She has a tennis book called Change Your Grip on Life Through Tennis, and I cannot wait to talk to you about this one, okay? (laughs) And her two poetry books, The PR, The Poetics of Running, A Book of Poetry in Motion. Ooh. And she is now working currently on her memoir about her life growing up in communism. Okay. We're going to talk about that as well. Misha is also an avid marathon runner who ran London, Boston, New York, and Chicago world marathons. Now see, that just doesn't make me feel good right now. I ran two miles today and I thought I did something. Oh my, I got to get myself together. All right. She lives with her husband, Katalin, her two teenage children, and they both all live in Sacramento, California. Carmen, welcome to the show today, my friend. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Adrian. And you should feel good about yourself because today's my rest day. So you ran two extra miles than me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. You know, I was thinking about when, you know, with you running and I want to get more into that too. But I was, I just ran the other day on the treadmill and I was like, I did about two to three miles and I was like feeling really good. I'm like, okay, I'm doing good. And then I read your bio. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> There's more work to do here, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we're here for, to encourage each other. All yes. right. So, Carvin, you know, I'm happy to have you on the show today. And it seems like you have reinvented yourself. And I'm eager to learn more about that. You're currently working on a memoir about your life growing up in communism. So where exactly did you live?
0: Yes. I basically lived in the western part of Romania. I lived in a small town, but I went to the university in Timisoara, which was the hub of our revolution. That's where the Romanian revolution started, you know, on December 16th, 1989. And so I went there basically to both high school and university. From the age of 14, I went and lived in the dorms with And because I wanted to study English and philosophy and literature. So I had to go away from my small hometown. And I, you know, I enjoyed living in Timisoara, which was a progressive city, even during communism.
1: Wow. There's a lot to learn about where you're from, because I find that when we live in our lives, we see things from our reality, And a lot of us hear about things through the news. We don't hear it directly from the source, meaning the person that experienced it. And I know that you have a memoir coming out about this experience, but I would like to know just a little bit here today about what was it like growing up as a child in that type of environment? And did that environment help you kind of decide as you got older on how to shape your purpose and maybe even find a way to make things better for yourself and people around you?
0: Oh, what an amazing question, Adrian! This is the whole memoir, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, to answer your question, I have always been a very resilient little girl. They always used to say to my dad, there is that little girl in camp, she has green eyes and she's the best handball player. We want her on our national team. (laughs) You know, that was in sixth grade. And my father was like, Yeah, that's my girl and she's not playing handball. She's going to the university. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I was, you know, it's so interesting. I didn't, you know, have a really tough life, but like overall communism, as we know, was very difficult, especially for certain people who ended up in jail, who, you know, you didn't have freedom of speech and expression. Mm-hmm. But I got away with many things because I was a kid and I was a teenager. So if I said something wrong, they would be like, Oh, she's young. She doesn't mean that, but I truly meant it. You know, like I <laughs> always like to spoke up to speak up against the regime, you know, and as a matter of fact, just two days ago, I was working on my memoir and one of the chapters is when darkness meets the light. Mm. Because during communism, we used to have rotating blackouts, you know, like in the evenings, um, they would just turn off the power. And so you would be studying at the candle. And because I lived in the dormitories with other girls, it was our fun time, really, you know, like it was our time to plot, you know, against communism to talk about, you know, what would it be like to you know, have a revolution in our country. And Mm -hmm. that really happened, you know, and I got to fight in the Romanian revolution together with my father at the age of 16. Whoa,
1: okay, hold on for a second. (laughs) You got to fight in the revolution with your father at 16? What was that like?
0: So that was, you know, it it was actually peaceful because we were, um, you know, we were up in the streets protesting for three days. And because my hometown was so you know, it was like 60,000 people about. Um, they did not shoot at, at people, but in the big cities, Bucharest, the capital, and Timisoara, people got killed for being out in the street and protesting and, you know, and just saying down with communism, down with Ceausescu, you know. And my father and I got to be out in the streets for three full days. And it was just like an amazing experience.
1: What an experience that is, yeah, to be a part of such a life-changing event and historical event, to be clear on that, at the age of 16. So I can only imagine experiencing that, what it was like for you going forward, seeing that when we put our purpose toward things and we rally and we put our energy on something, how it can manifest into something different for ourselves and in our lives. And I love the fact that you were a part of this movement, which means that you know, you're a badass. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now. You really are. I mean, you know, people think about, you know, oh, you know, well, she's a writer. She's a poet. She does these say, no, she is tough. I mean, to be a part of something like that and to come out of it with this perspective on life and how you are as an individual, that meant that you went through the, one of the greatest challenges of all time. And I respect that, you know, Carmen, I really do. So I want to change pace here a little bit and get into this reinvented person, speaking of that, and how you came out of that. I hear that you're called the Renaissance Woman by many. (laughs) Why is that?
0: I don't know. It really shocked me. Like I was running on the trails. You know, I always run with many friends and I tell people, you know, what I do and and everybody just like, you are a Renaissance Woman. I can't believe you're a real estate (laughs) broker. You write poetry. You rap. Like I started rapping during the pandemic.
1: okay. You, all (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So you rap. Okay. We're going to, I'm going to ask you about that a little bit too, the rapping, because I think I'd read something about that for you. And you have over 15,000 downloads, I believe, on one of your songs.
0: Yes. Yes. And so they kept telling me this. And, you know, sometimes when we do things, we don't think that what we do is extraordinary because we go through motions and like i always have very high expectations from myself and i constantly push towards that greatness and i most of the times i take things for granted i guess that i do these things right and and people right. kept calling me renaissance woman and i'm like oh that's kind of cool i like that
1: <laughs> i love that because it reminds me too of the whole renaissance period uh, in italy the rebirth of artistry I went back there and well, went there in 2018, and I experienced some of the greatest Renaissance artists of all time, including Michelangelo wow. and Leonardo da Vinci. And I didn't yes. know that time, they actually had a feud. They didn't like each other very much. You would think that people walking around painting mm-hmm. and doing sculpting would be like the happiest of people. They could not stand each other. They, I think it was actually a <laughs> moment where Michelangelo or was it Leonardo, one of them, they punched the other in the face. And one oh, no. ended up with a very crooked nose <laughs> in behind it. So <laughs> <laughs> it was like, stay out of my turf, all right? <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was funny to hear that. But this renaissance that you're talking about is so important for this conversation because when we think about life in general and what we're bringing to the planet, it requires a movement of some sort. And you have to be well-rounded, which is what you talk about too for entrepreneurs and business leaders to be well-rounded individuals. And we're going to talk about how you help them do that through a few steps. But I want to first jump to the side a bit here and to take a swing at something. I want to talk about (laughs) your book, Change Your Grip on the Life Through Tennis. Part of the other aspect of yourself is you're a writer too. And I want to talk about this book and how it came about. Are you a tennis player, by the way?
0: Oh, absolutely. I played more than 250 tournaments. I used to be number two in Northern California in the 4-0 division, you know? Whoa. And okay. that's And that's something my husband and I do together because he's not running with me. He's like, okay, go run with your girlfriends, you know? <laughs> I'm cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like that. You know, I'm a tennis player too. I didn't get as high as a, a competitive level as you did, but I grew up playing tennis on the courts. My dad was a competitive player, and so, you know, he was traveling a little bit and of course when I was born he had to make a decision and that was to <laughs> you know stay home you know be a father do some other things that he was passionate about so he could be closer to my mother and myself but he did teach me the game of tennis and I remember growing up with a wooden racket and he told yes. me he says if you can learn to hit with this thing you can hit with any racket that's out there and I couldn't stand that racket at first I just did not like it but when I mastered it I realized that it was very easy to really focus on hitting the ball. Now, speaking of hitting the ball here, we're going to take another swing here. What kind of grip did you use when you were playing tennis or what kind of grip do you use?
0: I actually use the continental grip Okay. uh, because I'm your uh, unconventional tennis player. I'm a Mm -hmm. crafty tennis player. Um, because I do a lot of slices and I do a lot of drop shots and I mix and match the pace. Like I know people like pace, so then I break their pace.
1: <laughs> I like that. I like that. You know, that's that's a clever way of playing because I grew up, I was taught the Eastern grip. So for our listeners today, there's a few grips. It may have changed over time, but when I was growing up, there's a the continental, there's the Eastern and there's the Western grip. The Western grip are right. used by a lot of the professionals you know, to this day because it creates a major topspin on the ball and it just creates havoc when the ball hits the ground and yes. kicks up. But you're, I feel you're kind of limited because a lot of times you can't flatten the ball out. So we're going to get into a little bit of a tennis conversation here. When okay. I was trained with the Eastern grip, my dad's view was, look, at any point in time, you can convert. You can switch to a continental and flatten that ball out, or you can put a topspin on the ball when you choose. You're not forced into a certain position. And so we grew up with the Eastern grip. And we also were very aware of the continental grip. So speaking Mm -hmm. of grips, when we have a certain grip we choose, that's the grip that we use to take on certain things. So this book that you're talking about, The Grip, is like how we put a grip on our lives, right? And so what would be a grip that people should have on their lives? Or what kind of grip do you think that we should possibly either let go of or have more of?
0: Yes. I'm a huge believer uh, in the flexible grip on life. Okay. Uh, Because when we, uh, I see so many people who are just stuck on doing something, you know, like even myself, the reason I wrote this book is because literally at the age of 40, I went back to college to be on the college team playing tennis with the 18 year olds. And I was outlasting. I was playing for six hours and outlasting all of them, you know, with my stamina (laughs) But I had to learn the reason I went there. I I realized I needed to change my grip on tennis and on life, honestly, because I was just so stuck on doing my things. And then my coach showed me, look, if you use the Western grip, you can do more topspin on the ball. You know, you can mix and match your shots and then you become so much more powerful and you know hard to really defeat because nobody has your weird and wicked slice. You know, my my slice slides to the court and like dies, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you're that person that we have to yeah. go diving for the ball. And we go running, you know, our face goes into the net. <laughs> yes.
0: And it was so funny because the young people really hated that. You know, I won five of my single matches, six love, six love you know?
1: <laughs> that's, that's what we call no contest <laughs> at that point. Wow. That is amazing. You know, the idea of being able to be flexible, that's something that I also want to talk about with you a little bit. What's going on with our day and era and also our younger generation, the inability to be flexible, the inability to look at something differently, to try something differently. Maybe it didn't work. Doesn't mean that you're a failure. It just means that that thing didn't work at that time let's try something different. And this aspect you're bringing from what you've learned on the court is something very powerful. And it also reminds me of my father. My father taught me racket back. And whenever I was on the court, he'd get so mad at me, racket back, racket back, racket back. (laughs) And I'm like, leave me alone. He's like, racket back. And he would try these different spins on the ball and I would miss the ball or I'd hit it out of bounds. And he would say, see, your racket should have been back. That way you were prepared for that spin. So his whole perspective was before the ball comes over the net, I should know exactly where that ball is coming and I should, re- I should have my racket back ready to respond to the ball. And that way, if it uh. is a slice, I can adjust quickly as opposed to having to quickly take my racket back. Oh shoot, it's a slice. You know, I can really, uh, with feet movement, I could bring my body closer because, and faster because my racket is already back. So I love that idea about your tennis book. And I think it's fascinating. And that's why I wanted to really have a conversation around it. And so back to this thing that you're, we were talking about earlier about rapping and the 15,000 views you have and being a tennis player and being a mom, being a CEO of your own real estate company and helping so many other people, this is part of the lifestyle that you live. And you are a huge believer in serendipity and creating happiness and success This is important for us. I would love to talk to you about this perspective of seeking a serendipitous life and what that looks like.
0: Yes. Um, So I wrote an article, Five Ways to Curate Serendipity, which became pretty viral on Medium. Okay. And it all started with me being in Montana and one of my really good Sacramento friends also being in Montana with her family. So we talked, and when we realized that, we're like, let's get together for a run, you know? And we were running by the river. It was just so peaceful. And it's this serendipitous moment and morning that we were relishing and reveling in, you know, running by the river, smiling, laughing, talking about literature, you know, cracking up jokes, that immediately once I got back to my um, to our condo and we were getting ready for the day, I told my husband, I have the best idea, I'm going to write an article about serendipity, you know, because that was such a, a huge moment. And I have been a huge believer in this my whole life. Um, as a matter of fact, my friends joke with me that I'm like a, sh- a shaman, you know, like I can predict <laughs> things. <laughs> Uh, Because back in communism, you know, we, I didn't have phone, you know, and of course we had the regular phone, but we didn't have phones till I was about 12 years old. So sometimes my friends and I, we were able to communicate like telepathically. Like we were like, it's funny. I just really thought that you wanted to do this. And then our plans were matching. and, And it was like, unbelievable and i kind of honed that through the years you know like i can i even match uh, outfits with my friends like let's say we say adrian let's run together i'm trying to okay. predict what <laughs> color you're wearing you know <laughs> and i have been so so successful at matching color um with my friends and it's just like really funny you know cuz i'm like oh what kind of outfit will adrian wear today i think he's going to go for a blue shirt i'm going <laughs> to wear blue <laughs>
1: I love that serendipitous part of life that you're talking about because it's so important for us to understand how we sync together with other people and how things can come together through certain events and also just a matter of just time alignment. The fact that you are so in alignment with the people around you and the energy in your life, it shows that what we can create when we put our focus and attention on multiple aspects. I think you're very well-rounded, by the way, and that allows you to be open to the things that are going on in your life, and to be susceptible to, once again, changing the grip on that, changing your perspectives. <laughs> and that starts from, from day one, you know, you experienced the communism and you were there with your father and he taught you, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to, to have to change in order to make some adjustments in life. And I, and I love that. And speaking of all these changes, yeah, I'm gonna keep coming back to the fact that you're a Renaissance woman, because I love calling you that, by the way. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. You also are a marathon runner, and you've run over 15 marathons. In March, you're going to be running the Tokyo Marathon. And yes. that is going to be exciting. Have you run that marathon before, or is this your first time?
0: No, it's the first time, Adrian. These world marathons are very difficult to get into, you know, to be accepted, to run them. Um, and they are called the world marathons. And uh, the huge deal that's happening in Tokyo is that that will be my sixth world marathon. And I get a huge medal with all the six world marathons that I ran.
1: Whoa, a, a medal for that one.
0: Yes. Incredible. yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's like a dream come true for most marathon runners, you know, to be able to complete the world marathons and to say that you are a six-star finisher. With each marathon, you get a star. And when you complete all six, you if you tell a runner, I'm a six-star finisher, I'm a, you know, I completed all the six marathons, they know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> they certainly do. And this These aspects of yourself, I want to get back to the running the marathons, the poetry writing, the rapping, being a real estate agent. I want to be clear here on our audience today that this is also a very important aspect of Carmen's life, of helping others find places that work for them, that make them feel at home. But to take all these things here and combine them into who you are as a person is absolutely fascinating. And you actually reinvented yourself is what you did. And you yes. decided on being the Renaissance woman that you are. Why is it important for us to consider reinventing ourselves, Carmen?
0: Yes. Um, I would actually like to bring uh, one of my favorite books ever, Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. Love that um, book. Yes. I, and I, whenever I get invited to uh, do uh, speeches for the Sacramento Association of Realtors, telling other people how to become a broker and an entrepreneur, I always, always use this book because almost not too many people are familiar and the wisdom in it is so powerful that we can literally apply it to any aspects of our life. So number one thing that I I like to do in in this reinventing process, Lao Tzu um, says that the goodness of giving is in the timing. The goodness of speech is in honesty. I I do very very well in my business. I have been featured in the Forbes magazine and one of the key things that I'm very successful in what I do is is the fact that I'm very, very honest, Adrian, I'm not going to have you buy a house if I feel it's not the right one for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be super honest. And I have a funny story. I was helping a family of doctors buy an expensive property and the home was looking like a pink flamingo. You know, it was like, it needed (laughs) a lot of work. It was ugly. And she goes, Carmen, you're so amazing. You find us um, our home. What do you think of it? And I go, it's ugly. (laughs) (laughs) I was honest. And we laugh about it because I said, look, it's an amazing investment. I, you know, I love it from that perspective, but you're going to have to do this and this and this. And sure enough, they were like, Carmen, you were right, but it was worth the investment. And we always talk about the fact that I'm just very, very honest with my clients. I don't sugarcoat things. If I know something, I point it out. If they still choose to do it, that's their choice, right? But I can sleep with my conscience that I am doing the best and most ethical job for my clients, and that honesty is super important in my business. Number two, what Lao Tzu says, and we talked about this, Adrian, the sage, he calls you know the sage the you know wise person has no fixed mind this is huge because when we have that fixed mind we're like a piece of furniture right we're not exactly ab- we're not able to make adjustments in our lives and we're like like i really don't like when people say oh, this is how I am. I don't do that thing. I'm like, how would you know whether you enjoy playing tennis or pickleball or writing poetry if you don't even try it? You know?
1: That is it. We have to try it.
0: Right. For instance, if you've never pe- played pickleball but you're a tennis player, you should play pickleball because it's just so fun, you know, and you can play <laughs> as a family. You know, it's, it's just fun. And so getting rid of this fixed mind and being able to say, you know, I don't know anything really, you know, having that mind frame that we are constantly learning, we are put on this planet to, to learn and improve ourselves and to change this fixed mind and make it change this grip on life, change this grip on this fixed mind, right? And, and adopt, um, Adopt what Lao Tzu says, a um, mentality that um, we are like water. He says, nothing in the world is softer than water, yet nothing is better at overcoming the hard and strong, which is all about, he's talking about being flexible. That's what the message is. It
1: reminds you know? me of Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee said, be like water, my friend. And that's where he yes. received that from was,
0: yeah, like yes. you, you. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, We just don't want to be that rigid person, stiff, uh, because we miss out so much on life. We miss out on opportunities of uh, having meaningful connection with people, uh, having these serendipitous uh, moments that you you can just say to yourself, let's say you hate going to a certain meeting. The way I make myself do that, I'm like, I'm pretty sure there will be some serendipity or something amazing that I will meet someone amazing and I will, you know, have these meaningful conversations and I will learn something new, you know, even if it's one thing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So So I think this reinventing ourselves, um, really comes into place also uh, from my background, because the big philosophy in in communism was that we have to be really, really well-rounded people. Like, we had to be good at everything, Adrian. you know? And it was just, like, interesting. And and I was just the kind of kid who liked to explore things, who liked to, you know, liked foreign languages. I studied English and French in school, and then I learned German on my own. Um, But... I think we tend to be, especially in America, we tend to be too specialized and too narrow saying, this is my yes. specialty, right?
1: Yes. We, they call it niches. Like you got to have a certain niche. You got to stay here and only be there. And I have something to say with that because that has gotten me into a lot of trouble. It forced <laughs> me into a, what I call the box mindset where you're just like stuck in the box and you and you can move, but you can't go beyond those frames, those corners of restriction or limitations you place on yourself. And just like this podcast, it originally started out as a very open podcast, and I fixed it into something that I thought I, other people wanted, and it kind of just got stuck. And now mm-hmm. the podcast has been rebirth, hence renaissance, back mm-hmm. to something very unique and open minded. And now this is why you're here today because of that. Aww. And so that
0: is so beautiful. Yeah,
1: thank you. And you just reminded me of that, this fixed mindset that we have, or this fixed thing that we have to have certain things a certain way. No, you can be well-rounded and you can also be good at many things. That's how a lot of the artists in the Renaissance were so good. I don't think many people know this, but Michelangelo, he's known for the Sistine Chapel. That's one of his greatest works. However, he was not a painter. That was a gig that he was doing to get some more more money. (laughs) He was up in age. He was like 84. He's like, I need some more money. (laughs) And they approached him. He's like, okay, I'll do it. But his love was sculpting, but he was also good at other things too. And this is why I think we need to get back to being Renaissance people. And you are leading that charge, my friend.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And, you know, one of the key issues we have as a business owner and as an entrepreneur, I think one of the highest qualities we can bring is to be a good listener, you know, to really understand what yes. our clients need. And speaking of being a good listener, I am going to read a short poem for you from my Morsels of Love book. I love poems. <laughs> yes. And and this poem was, ex- a lot of my poems are inspired during my runs. I literally stopped my run and I took a picture of this uh, jackrabbit. You know, his ears were like, you know, showing out, uh, standing out from the grass um, that's the picture. Um, <laughs> you can only see the ears. And, and the poem is entitled Listening. Running at sunrise with serenity, somersaults my soul and unspools the tangles of my being to match my stride on the soft trails. Running at sunrise with joy brings me closer to nature and all the marvelous creatures that hop around the bristle brush. Running at sunrise with hope, I see the jackrabbits' lean and long ears. And as I dust off my eyes, I realize that I must dust off my ears too. Wow. Beautiful. Beautiful piece on
1: listening. I love that.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Um, And I just, it flowed out of me. I got home and I wrote it. I sent it to Medium. They immediately published it. and. I just realized after writing this poem, I'm like, you know, Carmen, you work on listening. You work on your listening skills because I have to be honest with you and your listeners. I'm not always the best listener, Adrian.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Carmen, I don't think any of us are. We're all learning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because sometimes I get excited and I want to say my point of view. And I'm like, okay, I got what you're saying, Adrian. Let me tell you this. And-
1: it helps to listen. I think that's part of the the moment of silence is listening and interpreting what the person is saying, but not waiting for your chance to tell them what you want them to hear, necessarily. I think that's what we're missing a lot from the art of conversation. That's why i with this podcast, I call it the art of conversation under the umbrella of under the umbrella of interviewing because yes. it's an interview process, but it's conversation between two people sharing their perspectives on life and purpose and change and growth and challenges and all these other perspectives that come with, I call the human mess, which is part of the human journey. And (laughs) when we listen, we can understand things better and even challenge ourselves. I think that's the big problem today. A lot of people are so fixed in how they think and how they see things. They don't want to be challenged. They don't want anything to rub up against their opinions or their ideas or their philosophies.
0: Yes, that's so well, uh, well said, Adrian. And I also think that when we listen really well, then we can come up with the most open ended questions that really opens up the conversation. And I learned also to develop that. And I'm, I can make a person who's really, really quiet open up to me like in no time. And I just met them, Adrian.
1: That is important. And I love that strategy that you have. It's the energy because it's a trust. If you're listening to them, they feel noticed, they feel recognized, they feel important. And There's nothing more in this world that every person wants is a feeling of recognition. And that is what's happening right now with a lot of things going on in media everywhere. It's all recognition. It's like, I want attention. I want this. I want that. <laughs> I want you to like me. I want you to follow me. There's nothing wrong with having people like you and follow you. But when you base your life on that, when you base your life on your significance behind that, that's a big problem and i think that when we learn to start listening to not just people but also ourselves because when we listen we learn and this process of you listening to people in front of you it opens that door for them saying whoa i don't have to get angry i don't have to to yell i don't have to be defensive because this person's actually they're noticing me i don't have to raise my hand up and be like no 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 this is who i am they are listening to who i am and it's a big gift to have, Carmen, on this planet, is the power of listening. And we all know this. When you're a good talker, sometimes, like you said, it's, <laughs> it's hard to listen because we're like, I want to tell you something. And right. sometimes people just say, I just want you to hear me out. I just right. want you just to listen to me. There have been so many things that I've done in, the, in my past, mistakes I've made in relationships and everything, where I was just trying to help, but I was not listening.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So it's important to listen. So I like that dynamic that you're adding into that. And what a beautiful poem. So for our audience today, to find out more about your renaissance work, your real estate that you're doing, helping people find the right homes for themselves, helping business leaders and entrepreneurs balance out their lives in this serendipitous way. And also the Seeds of Sunshine podcast that you have that you do with your daughter, yes. which, is a, <laughs> which is a great podcast, along with your books of poetry and your upcoming memoir. Where can people go to find... This wonderful information, Carmen.
0: Yes. Um, so my I have two different websites, <clears throat> dynamic dot homes.com. Uh, that's for my real estate business, and Carmen com. My first and last name, books.com. Um, and then for the podcast, you just google Seeds of Sunshine. I have I created last night actually, I created my linked Link tree, so I put all the links Excellent. there for you, Adrian, and you'll have them for the show. But okay. I was as, as I worked on it last night, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a huge link tree here.
1: <laughs> link tree is powerful. I love that tool. And what I'll do is I'll make sure I put that into the show notes of this podcast, so that all of our guests can go there and our listeners can click on that link and find all the amazing work that you are doing. My last question for you today, Carmen. What is your life's purpose at this point in your life?
0: Yes, Adrian. um, It is to lead with passion, conviction, and creativity while developing meaningful connections to others and giving back to my community. You know, and to continue being... Um, many people, many professionals tell me when I answer my phone that I answer lovely and kindly. So I want to continue this journey like on that. this earth to be this lovely and kind person and to always understand that someone else might have a challenge that day and maybe that's why they're grumpy, but not to judge them.
1: Oh, I love that. That They may have a challenge and that's why they're grumpy, but not to judge them because they have their own human mess, their own human journey that they're going through. I love that perspective, Carmen. And that's why you have been on the show today, my friend.
0: <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Adrian. I listen to all your episodes. I always am looking forward to them because I learned so much from them.
1: Well, thank you for listening to the episodes and I love your support and I appreciate you. And I'm going to make sure that our audience today goes to your Your links, I'll provide those in the show notes, and they find out more about what you're doing because you're creating a major impact on this planet in a purposeful way, and you have shaped it your kind of way. And I love that, Carmen. I am wishing you much love and success, my friend, going forward.
0: Thank you so much. I wish you the very same, Adrian. Have a lovely and blessed day.
1: You too, my friend. Thank you for listening to Your Purposeful Live today, and I'm your host, Adrian Starks. Download this podcast on any platform of your choice by going to our website, yourpurposeful.life. Join me on my social media channels and be a part of the Your Purposeful Life community. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that like button with a purpose. Let's help you shape your purpose, your way.